and thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. This podcast is made for the amazing team at Endometriosis Australia. I am a proud ambassador for them. My name is Ellie Angel Mobs. And I know that for a lot of endo warriors, it's a trying time because of the COVID things that are going down in various states. Some people are in lockdown. You may be unable to go out and do the activities that you really want to do to make yourself feel good. So to bring some joy to your lives, I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine. Her name is Annie Harvey. Now she has done TEDx Talks. She's an author. She's done teaching. She's done marketing. She's now a well-being educator and she's a laughing yoga teacher. That's right. Laughing yoga. It's a thing Please keep listening for this. It will make you feel absolutely incredible just by giving it a go. Trust me, I was skeptical, but I am now a convert. Annie has also had an amazing story when it comes to endometriosis. Please enjoy this episode and a little bit of laughing yoga in the comfort of your own home with the wonderful Annie Harvey. Hey, Annie, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you, Ellie? I'm good. I'm so, so excited to have you on this podcast because I was trying to think... I first came across you many, many moons ago, out of all places, at my grandnan's funeral in Adelaide. And you actually were an incredible part of her life. Uh, I've been a volunteer for our local library for since I emigrated here, so 16 years, taking books to the elderly, in mainly in aged care homes. Hmm. Have a chat, have a cuppa. And and Helen was my, your grandnan was my first client. And there she was go. just beautiful. I didn't. I never knew any of my grandparents, so she was definitely a surrogate grandparent. <laughs> because she uh, was from England, and she also was uh, a teacher as well. So she yes. loved, loved her books. She's the, and awesome is that I introduced my friend, my mum to her, and they became friends, and they used to sit and have a cup of tea together oh, as well. Just gorgeous. Beautiful. That's beautiful. So we've stayed in touch from this beautiful connection, Annie. And over the years, I've seen you talk about the still effect and I've seen you do your TEDx talks. And and my mum's gone and bought your The Still Effect book and given it to me as a present. Um, You are amazing with what you have gone from to do because your background is teaching. Yeah, well, marketing and corporate life originally in the UK and then I trained to be a teacher here. So, yeah, I've gone through a different... A few different career changes, much to the horror of my father, apparently. So right now, Annie, you're a wellbeing educator and you guide teams to prevent burnout and you also deal with mindfulness. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later on, but we've also connected because you have got endometriosis. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have. I want to hear your story. I'm 55 and I reckon I had my first symptoms when I was 15. So yeah, I had lots of lots of fainting with period pain at school, lots of time off school in my mid-teens. And I was eventually recognised by, or recommended by my GP, well, I went with my mum, I think, to go on the pill at 15, which was quite a massive thing for me because I was raised in quite a strict Catholic family. Hmm. And I remember my parents saying, can you just come in to into the lounge room just to meet the visitor that's coming. And I looked out the window and there's this man coming up the driveway with a black hat on. I can still see him now. And he was our local priest that had to come and talk to me about why I was going on the pill. Can you imagine that as a 15 year old? You you would have been dying on the inside going, no, this doesn't need to happen. (laughs) No. (laughs) And I I think think I'm still in therapy for it now. So that was in 1981. 
and obviously he must have given us permission because I, I went on the pill and that was it fast fast forward to um getting married in the early 90s mm. and the kid thing wasn't working for us so I was still having you know lots of pain not knowing what it was and mm. I went to several GPs and one decided it was an appendicitis so sent me to hospital it wasn't that obviously I also unfortunately have um IBS and there's you know, lots of really similar symptoms, lots of shared symptoms between endo and IBS, especially around cramping and bloating and diarrhea and that kind of thing. So I don't think we're ever completely sure which of the two, but I think I've probably got both. So I was given these kind of chalky tablets in my twenties to take, did nothing. And that marriage actually ended. He went off seven years later, he went off and married someone else and had three children. So mm. I always knew at the back of the mind that there was something not right with me I guess are the words I used then yeah and I went to live and I took life by the horns I guess I went to live in Spain and I went to uni in my 30s and went on a totally new path probably a lot of it was running away yeah. it's like you um, did the whole eat pray love thing in Spain <clears throat> oh very much yeah or Shirley Valentine if you're old enough but I went to Spain instead of Greece beautiful and uh, <laughs> went yeah, I went for four weeks and stayed a year. And it was a lot of fun doing that in my 30s. With Most of my friends were 19. So we had a great time. But it was a, I think it was a sad time as well, mm. looking back now. And then I went back to university in the UK to do a Spanish degree and met my now husband in my final year of my degree, which was wonderful. He was my soulmate. And I think we just thought the baby thing was going to click. Um, and a few years into that relationship, it, nothing was happening again. So I'm now... 38 at that point and I had my first laparoscopy in the UK which unfortunately has left me with a really horrible scar on my belly button for some bizarre reason oh. so there's a constant daily reminder of that yeah. and yeah I was diagnosed then with endometriosis so and I'd never heard of it of course but I do think maybe and I loved your conversation on Mother's Day with your mum I think maybe my mum had it she took 10 years to have me I remember having to visit hospitals a lot with dad and we'd sit in the car park while she'd go in for I think, whatever they called it, a DNC then. And I think mm. probably they were the kind of the original looking into her infertility. So it's potentially she had it as well. And then we kind of went down the adoption route for a little bit in the UK, adopting, mm. trying to adopt some um, a baby from China. But it takes, well, back then it took seven years. Yeah. So, still a lengthy wait now to try and adopt too. <clears throat> yes, it is. So we... I think we probably ran away again, but we emigrated to Australia in 2006 and we'd heard that IVF was more successful here than the UK. Mm. So started that. And I was also following my dream at the same time as doing IVF as becoming a school teacher. So I think maybe deep down I knew that things weren't going to happen. So I wanted to know that I could work with children at least. All through my really important pracs for training to be a teacher, I was doing IVF. Um, luckily had some very supportive staff around me. But I only did two attempts and I know, you know, people listening have, I've got friends that have done nine or 10 attempts mm. and then got pregnant when they've stopped and all that kind of stuff. But we just made a decision after two attempts, we put ourselves back on an adoption list. We got offered two little boys from Hong Kong with a huge mental and physical disabilities. Mm. And that was a really hard decision because I said, I, you know, I'm not Mother Teresa, I'm not put on this earth as a saint. I, mm -hmm. If I had my own children first, it might be a different conversation. So that was our final thing of we're saying no to this and we're just, we're just going to have to stop this journey, yeah. um, which is still really hard to talk about. And you know, unfortunately, the, the grief is always going to be there. And I mm -hmm. think we even went and bought this book, which I regularly read called Child Free and Loving It. 
such a really good book. Oh, I need to get that. Um, that sounds like my kind of yeah. book. It's, it's a very good book. We bought it in the UK and I read it every couple of years, I guess, just to remind myself about <laughs> the positive side to it. But I, you know, I, try, I carried on being a teacher and a, a tutor and eventually moved into the, to the wellbeing business that I do now. So you have done multiple talks uh, with TEDx and you, you've gone into, yes, the, the, the wellbeing industry. What made you want to get into that? Is, is it because you've been through so much grief from your first divorce and then adoption, IVF, having to make that really tough decision with the boys in Hong Kong and all of that? Maybe it was an outlet for you? Yeah, definitely. And I think they call it, uh, as psychologists would call it complicated grief because at the time... Um, when I discovered all these new tools, it was the year that my mum was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2012. And that's, you know, a grief process in itself, watching her disappear in front mm. of my eyes. So officially I have complicated grief. Yay. That's a great title. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I, I try, I'm sitting here, I'm sure you don't mind me saying, I'm sitting here in my pyjamas today and, and I'm okay to say that live on a, it's one of my self-care days and they've got their blue with white sheep all over them. And I've got my wheat bag. <laughs> And it's okay, but it's, it's taken me a long time to give myself permission to actually do that on the, on the days when I don't have to go outside the house, obviously. Um, but I think it's a moment I'm going through a harder period because I've, two friends of mine have had babies in the last couple of weeks yeah. and most of my friends are becoming grandparents. So you go, you think you've got through the journey and then the next, the next roller coaster starts. Mm. Um, but I've, I started having acupuncture and for the first time taking probiotics and the first time in my life, I reckon since I was 18, I'm not bloated. Oh, that's and I've good. had many people over the years come up and say, when is your baby due? Which mm. <laughs> is just horrible. And now I actually say something back to them. <laughs> you, but, well, how do um, you respond to that? Because I often have a little <laughs> cheeky response because I've had it before with the endo belly, <clears throat> little bloat or, you know, yeah. someone will say, when are you going to have a baby? I just bluntly say to them, I can't. <laughs> like, yeah. what else do you respond with? Oh, that's what I say now. <sighs> but I used to kind of laugh it off. But, yeah, that's what I say now. I can't. And I feel bad making them feel bad, which is crazy. Mm. But, yeah, that's that's a nice feeling. So I, and I can't – I've stopped putting my head in the sand, I guess. And mm. some of my strategies are, you know, around setting boundaries about what to attend and what not to attend. So my friend's had a baby shower, but she's called it, this is not a baby shower and invited <laughs> the partners as well, which was just lovely. See, that's a nice idea. So I spent I most that. of the time spending, yeah, I spent most of the time drinking with the boys as opposed to talking about the girls and, you know, how many weeks early they were and all this kind of stuff mm. that they just assume I'm standing there at 55 that I must have at least two or three children. Yeah. And that's, that's always, that's never going to go away, I guess. I hope that that assumption, um, you know, um, as we move on in the world, that it's not an expectancy that women have to have children. You can choose not to. Exactly you right. You may not be able to. And exactly right. a lot of people with chronic mm. illness will struggle, such as people with uh, endometriosis. And you probably notice as well that having gone through the endo pain, having that chronic illness, that is also so debilitating on your mental health. I actually didn't know what chronic, I thought chronic pain just meant really painful till a few years ago. I didn't realise that chronic means anything that's persistent and consistent over more than three months. That was a new thing to me. So you know, I guess I can say I've got two chronic illnesses. Um, and yeah, it messes, it messes with your head. And I've only learned that through my training in mindfulness, I guess. Mindfulness is a word that I'm so glad to be seeing popping up in conversations on social media, TV, everywhere. Mindfulness, this mindfulness, that what exactly is it? 
Um, I like to kind of say what it means to me and how I use it. That's because, you know, I could give you all the definitions that you can find on the internet, but what, how I use it in this particular instance is that I recognize, I'm very self-aware. I recognize my moods. I recognize my really big emotions really quickly. Sometimes I have to say, oh, I'm really quite annoyed that I'm so self-aware, but I am now. And normally those emotions and those moods are shown in my body through some energy in my body. It's quite often in my throat that I'll feel often like a fear pain. It's very hard to describe, but I'm very aware of it. And then the trick is to to allow it and acknowledge it to be there. So, I, you know, people say to be comfortable with the discomfort. And what, what we don't do is we don't like feeling discomfort in our body, whether it's an emotional, physical pain. So we'll suppress it or turn to something to make us feel better all the time, which is, you know, fine in small doses, mm. but not long term. And also recognizing that those, emo giving yourself permission that those emotions are okay. It's more about what we do with them, what we behave, how we behave to ourselves and to others, what we say to ourselves and others. So, you know, if you give an example of if I'm feeling, low normally i can feel that in my body and i will ask myself which is a, a kind of cognitive behavior thing i guess is what am i telling myself right now and if you go through the training for cognitive behavior for that therapy they'll say well is that um i'll say to myself it's not fair or i'm never going to experience that feeling of being a mum and i'll say well is that 100 percent true and of course most of the time it's not but for that particular phrase that i tell myself it is true so then what do you do with it? So that's where the, the self-compassion side comes into it. I listened to, you had a psychologist on back earlier in the year talking about body compassion, which I'd never heard of. And I'm going to try some of her tricks actually. But the self-compassion side is you need the mindfulness first. So you need to be really aware of what you're saying about your physical pain or your emotions. And then having some kind words, which is really not, we're not particularly women, we're not very good at saying kind things to ourselves. So I would say something like, this is, this is a really tough moment if I was feeling that way. And I might even put my hand on my heart or often I'll hold my own hand. I actually imagine that that's my mum's hand holding my hand. Mm. So she's comforting me as well as me using those kind words. And then the third kind of official part of self-compassion is a thing called common humanity. So what, what you're doing, and this is the hardest part, I'm still practicing this all the time, is you recognise that there are many others millions of others in the world that are experiencing let's say grief as an emotion it might not be caused by endo could be caused by all sorts of things but make it makes it less isolating by recognizing that you know all all humans suffer we're all imperfect we're all vulnerable so we can share in that and it's something that we all go through rather than something that just happens to me alone and i think that's been the big changing point for me in practicing that self-compassion on ideally a daily basis. It's interesting too. It, absolutely. Um, with that third point, I suppose a blessing nowadays that people are talking about, for example, endometriosis and their experience. So you are able to jump onto social media or onto a different chat room and you can see people sharing how they're feeling and you can kind of relate to that and you don't feel as alone. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. But you can also, you know, set boundaries on how often you look at that as well. Yes. I'm in a few of those groups where, you know, people are still doing IVF on. I don't actually read mm. about that. So I'm very, yeah, I have to really choose which social media I observe. But 
it's more about the emotion itself. So instead of bringing it back down to endo, it's bringing it back down to grief or sadness or anger, you know, normal emotions that everybody feels and just knowing that kind of just lets it dissipate a bit, I guess, doesn't make it go away, just makes it easier to be with. I need to learn how to love my body a little bit more because I know when I'm having a flare up and my husband will hear me just say, I hate my body, it's stupid and my uterus is broken and it's no use to me. And he'll just look at me and go, you're beautiful. It's, and it's, it, you're right. Women are the harshest critics when it comes to giving ourselves compliments. And he's trying to train me into saying, you are a beautiful person. It is what it is push that aside and just remember who you are yeah and and you you know you've also like me you've got a purpose you've got a legacy to leave and I think people that have children that's their legacy that's their purpose for many of my friends and family Mm. but we've had to come up with something different and you are changing lives dramatically and you might not realize that but you are Mm. and to remind yourself of that on a daily basis is a is a hard thing because mm. others are really good at doing it for you, but you have to be able to do it yourself. Oh, I'm the worst. And it doesn't it. work a hundred percent of the time. And, and when it doesn't, you just get your wheat bag out. It's fine. <laughs> oh, my wheat bag's my best friend. What about um, writing something like that on an affirmation board or just those, those self love words, I guess that would work for mindfulness, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I journal a lot, so I will write down those kind words. I don't have them on, Perhaps I should. I don't have them on post-it notes, which is a good point. I actually have them on my phone as a screensaver because when you're stressed, you, your memory gets depleted anyway and then you kind of forget and then you go down the rabbit hole of where is me. So it's a good idea to have them written somewhere, definitely. They have to be words right for you because we can all be told what we should be saying to ourselves, but they have to really mean something to you and you know, sound true to yourself as opposed to using someone else's words. Yeah, maybe do a brainstorm and come up with the best scenario to have in front of you with those words. Yeah, great idea. So you went and did a TEDx talk recently and you spoke about the still effect. Silence to lull is the name of the talk. I watched it (laughs) multiple times. I sent it out on the work group email just to try and lighten people's moods going through lockdown and COVID and everything. And... I'm just going to play a little bit of it, okay? In the next few minutes, we're going to retrain our brain to live in the present moment, just for a few moments at a time. It's mental fitness, and I call it the still effect. Still. ST is for stop. Stop right now where you are. You may be leaving your home in the morning, you could be waiting for an elevator, or you could be waiting for the kettle to boil. Just stop. I is for inhale. So I'm just going to invite you now to inhale and exhale. L is for listen. So as you continue to breathe naturally now, just listen to the sounds around you. And the last L, wait for it, is laugh. So we're going to feel what it is like to laugh together. This universal language, we're going to release breath as laughter. So, Annie, what is the idea behind the still effect that you have created? Um, so, it's gone a couple of ways. So from the TEDx talk, it was um, a, a mindful moment of stillness, I guess, and then to laugh out loud. So, I'm trained in mindfulness and I'm trained in laughter yoga, but also the still effect has become my workshops based around preventing burnout, which has mindfulness and laughter in it, but it has three other components as well. But the laughter yoga is something that and I, I discovered the same year that mum was diagnosed because her laughter and dad's actually disappeared pretty quickly. 
and I've, I noticed that mine was too, and I needed to go and discover laughter again. So trained as a laughter yoga leader. It was designed by a medical doctor in India. So it's not something I've kind of made up. And it is a, a wonderful body-mind experience where it's like mindfulness in motion. So you can't really have a negative thought when you're laughing out loud on purpose, intentionally. There's no jokes involved in it. The days when I feel like I really don't want to, and there'll be many of those days, I still do it because I know that I'm releasing those big emotions in a positive way. And I'm also activating off what we call our full happy hormones. So dopamine is our reward hormone. Some people get it from, you know, how many likes you've got on social media. You can get it from laughter too. Oxytocin is our cuddle hormone or our bonding and love hormone. Serotonin is our antidepressant, natural nature's antidepressant, and it also helps with memory. And then in our endorphins, which is our natural painkiller, which is really helpful for endo too. So I do a lot of crazy laughter around my house on a daily basis. And I know it will sound weird to people out walking past, but I know it's doing me a lot of good. Are you able to take us through a little exercise around laughing yoga now? Yeah, let's see. Um, <laughs> I'm I ready might, for I it. might give you... <laughs> I might give you a little practice that you can do when you catch yourself telling yourself that you hate your uterus. I mean, we don't call it the uterus <laughs> laugh. I'm sure the endo warriors <laughs> can relate to this. <laughs> I do this in the bathroom mirror at, at least three or four times a week. So it's a little kind of morning ritual that I do. So instead of flossing my, and the, what I do need to tell you, because people will be listening and just go, oh, I'm not joining in this. You have to join in. And it sounds weird if you don't join in. But you're, if you really don't feel like it, your body doesn't know the difference between faking it and real laughter. So I, the idea is you fake it to start with. You have to, because I'm not going to tell you a joke. You force your laughter out and then they, your, your kind of brain reacts to the sound of laughter and your body is feeling happy. So it sends a message to your brain and that's how it activates all those chemicals, neurotransmitters or happy hormones, whatever you want to call them. So you have to fake it till you make it. Are you ready, Ellie? Oh, I'm ready. I can fake this. Let's do it. All right. So I don't know if you've got anything in your hands, but hopefully not. So I want you to imagine that you are picking up a piece of dental floss in your hands. So you're holding it either side. But instead of dental floss, it's mental floss. So you're going to thread it through your ears. And basically you floss all that, what we call stinking thinking or negative thoughts in your brain and laugh at the same time. So we're going to do it for 10 seconds, but I really hope that you're flossing your brain at the same time. Okay. All right, off you go. All right. <laughs> Beautiful. Right, that's your mental floss. I think that went into genuine laughter Sorry. pretty quickly. It normally does. Laughter is infectious, but it, it that is brilliant, and it's to the point where, like, you know, when you laugh and you can feel the muscles in your tummy, like working. Yeah, I just got that. Yeah, just from starting off from really a quickly, fake laugh. It? Yes, I feel really so, good after so, that. So you've just had a proper belly laugh. You've activated your diaphragm, which activates our relaxation response. So ideally, when you finished a laughter yoga routine, whether it's a few minutes or an hour, I do it for sometimes. Not not by myself, but with groups of people then um, you feel energized and calm at the same time. Right, let's give you two more. So imagine you're looking in your bathroom mirror mm -hmm. and you might catch yourself saying those negative thoughts. So imagine that you've got a big um, pot of, pretend it's moisturizer, but it's laughter cream in your hand. And you're just gonna take a big dollop of this laughter cream and massage it into your face, not across your microphone, obviously, <laughs> and laugh out loud. Let's try that for another 10 seconds. Okay. <laughs> 
So if you're looking in your mirror and you're telling yourself how horrible you are, you're actually going to say hello gorgeous to yourself. Mm -hmm. I didn't look too great this morning when I got up. Mm -hmm. I look in the mirror and say hello gorgeous and just laugh out loud at myself or with myself. Can you try that? You're going to say hello gorgeous and laugh out loud. Imagine that you've got a mirror in front of you. Maybe hold your hands up so it's a mirror. I'll do it first. Okay. Hello gorgeous. Hello, gorgeous. <laughs> See how beautiful that sounds? Yep. <laughs> and then you just get on a roll. Oh. Yoga. That is laughing that's a, yoga. That's a, oh, that's that brilliant. is laughter yoga. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> So you don't, you've done some deep, so what you've done, you've done having a lot of fun and you're in the moment, you're really present. You couldn't think about your uterus whilst laughing. No. Like it's pretty impossible if you're in the moment. That's why I call it mindfulness in motion. And you're deep breathing. So you're exhaling. When you laugh naturally, you're breathing out longer than you're breathing in. And that, that activates, um, turns down the stress response and activates your relaxation response. So it's like teaching people how to do deep breathing, but we do it through laughter. And you so don't have to plenty of science behind it. do any stretching or weird poses. No stretching, no it's downward dog. Great. Yeah. I'm here for this kind of yoga, Annie. <laughs> the beauty of this is as well is say you are having an endo flare up and, and you know, you're on the couch, you don't want to get out of bed. Just try, try that, mm. get the laughter going and hopefully that'll make you feel better. Yeah, we've had huge, lots of studies, especially on the East Coast, around reducing pain through laughter yoga. So you, I think you're supposed to do between 10 and 15 minutes a day for it to really help reduce pain. And it's the last thing you want to do when you're curled up in the fetal position. But oh. let's see if anyone have a go and let us let us know what happens. Oh, I absolutely love that, Annie. Oh, I feel so good after doing that. <laughs> you know, after everything that's <laughs> happened with lockdown and all the crap going yeah. on in the universe, I think it's just what we needed. It's great, it's not. So if people would like to find you and get in contact with you because you do special workshops and mindfulness group training and you also do the laughter as well, anyharvey.com.au yeah. you are based in adelaide but with technology you could be anywhere right absolutely you can for this part you can look me up on the stilleffect.com.au and then i was just going to give you one last thing that i'm rolling out in adelaide but hopefully it's going to get across the country yes which is got? a nice little tie into your grandnan mm. i've designed a product that it's called the Giggle Game. So it has um, <clears throat> 40 flashcards and it's got 26 laughs for kids and 12 mindfulness breathing activities. And this came out of a preschool asking me to help them with the kids and the staff anxiety during COVID last year. So I, I designed this thing and in a couple of weeks time, um, I've already trained the staff at the school at the end of my street, St. Peter's Woodlands. They do it every day with the four-year-olds and they absolutely love it, the kids and the staff. And at the end of 
July, we've got a four week program where the residents from Kapara, where your grandnan was, where my mum was too, yeah. are going to wander down the road, hopefully in a bus, and they're going to be invited into the to preschool to do the laughter game with them for four weeks. Oh, how adorable. It's like the ABC show All People's Home for four year olds. How cute. It is. Yeah. And this is, but the great thing about this is we've got, we'll have a few people that will have dementia like mum had, and you don't need any real cognitive ability to join in the laughter. So that's my, that's my purpose is taking it back to people with dementia as well as the elderly and the little laughing ambassadors can, you know, give them so much joy as well. And they get joy because there were lots of kids around, like I didn't have grandparents. So mm. I think, yeah, hopefully it's going to, it's going to be really great. Oh, Annie Harvey, you're such a beautiful human. I'm so glad that, um, those many years ago, I got to meet you and stay in contact with you because what you are doing, I feel on cloud nine now after mm -hmm. chatting to you. I mean, yesterday I had to have a little operation and this morning coming into work, I was like, oh, I don't feel like coming to work. But now I'm like, yes, I could run a marathon. <laughs> Yay. Awesome. Laughing yoga. Give it a whirl. AnnieHarvey.com.au. Get in contact with Annie. Thank you so much for opening up and sharing your story with endometriosis, Annie. It's been very brave of you. And I look forward to seeing you taking on the world. Thanks, Sally. Take care. Give the laughing yoga a go. It is addictive. Ever since chatting to Annie, I've been setting myself a goal to do it every couple of days. And it just feels so good to just start laughing forced but then it just turned into this natural laugh and it you'll be on cloud nine as i said during that chat annieharvey.com.au go and check out our website and of course as you're online endometriosisaustralia.org the number one resource for all things when it comes to endo as you're in lockdown hanging out at home there's plenty of webinars you can watch learn everything you need to know and you can also make a donation as well thank you so much for listening and if you have enjoyed Give us a rating because those ratings help to get the word out about this podcast. It has been Living with Endo, the A to Z of endometriosis. Stay safe and I cannot wait to chat to you soon.